Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What's up, you guys? Sean Ross Sapp here for the Fightful.com podcast for August 31st. Brought to you by DraftBeast.com and on it. DraftBeast.com. Go there. Lose all your money to me. That's what's going to happen. It's just, it's inevitable. Do it. DraftBeast.com this football season. I'm a huge fantasy football player. Just, I don't need to pitch it to you anymore. Just go. Get out your wallet if you want to. I can send you my physical P.O. box and you can just mail me money if you would rather do that. As opposed to losing in embarrassing fashion on DraftBeast.com. Also on it. If you guys didn't check out Donald Cerrone's appearance on the Joe Rogan podcast last night, which I will talk a little bit about later, he talked about how he never used supplements before and how on it has completely changed his life. You go to Fightful.com slash podcast, open up any of our pages, click that on it link, check out their equipment, their apparel, and their supplements, all kinds of cool stuff there. I am joined by Showdown Joe. Joe, how the hell are you? I'm doing fine, but I'm, I'm beginning to get a little tired of you taking your frustrations out on our viewership to get on a draftbeast.com so you can take their money. So I'm not a football guy, so some way, somehow, I may have to sign up, follow your ass on that site. I thought I was going to say I'm taking your money, but I'm so oh, I'm, bad at football. I'm, I'm nagging the people. At, I might have I'm, to jump in. I'm nagging the people at DraftBeast to get some MMA going. Then it's really on. They have to. Yeah, well, I can't those, wait. For those for that. that don't know, you were part of uh, you were part of something pretty big beforehand, before it actually got brought up. So you know your thing. So there's got to be some way, somehow, uh, to get because I mean, MMA fantasy is big, man. And I'm, I'm sure the yeah. peeps at Draft Beast are probably looking at it from what? What do you think? Like, like a, a logistics perspective, but it can be done. I think it was more about having live results, which we can provide them with. We'd be more than happy to help our friends at Draft Beast out with that. But yeah, I, I wrote for Countermove for a while. They were eventually bought out by uh, who, you know, complete scum. Don't visit DraftKings. They're terrible, horrible, no good people. They probably fight babies in the streets. Go to Draft Beast instead. Um, even though, you know, maybe maybe some of our viewers might use DraftKings. I, I can't say anything that's going to get us sued, so I don't think they really fight babies in the streets. The draft beast is where you want to be. But yeah, I'm hoping we get that going. Joe, we've got some pretty big, un, under the radar, big MMA news today. Joe Silva, who has been with the UFC for 21 years, is leaving possibly as soon as the end of this year. Doesn't surprise me, to be honest with you. I mean, that's a, he's... Uh, um, he's wanted to leave for a long time. It, yes and no, yes and no, but um, we all know, listen, man, when this, per, when this s- s- sale happened, we knew there was going to be changes, um, and, and Joe Silva's been around uh, since day one with Zufa, so th- these types of changes are going to happen. I mean, how long is it going to be until we realize Dana White is going to walk away? There, there's going to be more than a changing of the guard, a passing of the torch with this organization. It's going to be interesting uh, to uh, looking 
people, I can already tell you right now, Sean, that people are going to look back and say, oh, it was way better, way better when Dana White was there and Joel Silva and the matchmaking and blah, 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 right? I mean, matchmaking is a science. Uh, to some, it seems like it's a basic thing, just, you know, who's available, put them together and have them sign the contracts and have them fight 12 weeks out. There's a little bit of a science to it. There is math behind it. Uh, I mean, if you ever try and do it yourself, not you, you yourself, Sean, but people in general, man, you need a spreadsheet going. You need some serious looking at who fights who, where are they fight, when are they fighting, who's available. There's a lot of stuff that gets involved. But with Joe Silva, you know, potentially leaving, doesn't really surprise me uh, at all. Although, um, you know, depending on how much money he's made over the past, um, what is it, uh, not 20 years, but for a while, uh, wondering yes. how much money he's got saved up. And what's he going to do next? Apparently nothing. Apparently his desires are to retire and spend time with his family as he made quite a bit of money off of that UFC sale. Now I know I was told when I was poking around today that he makes in the six figures, obviously with the UFC, uh, the numbers given around this sale were around like 200,000 a year, which that's just base pay. That doesn't include, you know, anything else additional that the UFC likes to throw on there. But another thing I wonder, who gets his spot? You think Sean Shelby moves up from the lighter weight divisions and takes over his role as the main matchmaker? If Sean Shelby stays on, because uh, he is a Joe Silva protege, uh, the answer is obviously yes. He would take the reins and, and likely become uh, the head matchmaker for the UFC. And I already know, I can already think of a few names at the top of my head that would already jump underneath Sean. Uh, and or if Sean was to leave, are they? the various parties that, that could jump in there. Um, no one that people know right now off the top here, like that, that, that just people in the background, but, uh, there's some good people out there. You got to think of people that, um, were, you know, with strike force, uh, at the time, uh, are potentially now with Bellator guys that were originally with Bellator, uh, no longer there could potentially come over to the UFC. There's been a few people that, uh, have tried to become matchmakers overseas, uh, for Sean and for Joe, uh, to deal with more of the international market, uh, that could become, you know, Hey, move to Vegas and take it from here. So, there's probably a lot of people that could jump into that role. Will they be like Joe Silva? Probably not. Will they be like Sean? Likely not. Uh, but there are some good candidates out there that I believe could jump in there and, and do the job pretty quick. You know, we speculated Dana White maybe eventually leaving. But I wonder, you know, Scott Coker has created twice now a free agent market in MMA. Would this create a bidding war for his services? Or do you think they have somebody in mind that would run this? He has run a ran a couple of MMA companies, but he's got a different kind of vision than a lot of places. Now, granted, he seems like the kind of guy whose vision will adapt to his surroundings type of thing. Like if he were in the UFC, I get the feeling that his vision would be much different than if he's a Bellator and he's got to go about things a bit differently. Do you think there's ever a chance, and this is just me throwing something out there, ever a chance that they approach him about something like that? Well, you'd never say never, right? That That's definitely an option. Uh, I think there's a bit of an autonomy um, that, you know, that he likes to have and a vision for what he likes to see. Um, he, he's getting a lot of that play uh, under Viacom with Bellator. Um, would he get something like that under the new regime of the UFC? It's, it's It'd be kind of, you know, awkward because they had him there for, what, a year? And he couldn't do anything. He didn't do anything for a year, uh, obviously because of the sale and stuff like that. But... Who knows? I mean, if you're looking at someone that would replace Dana White, uh, the, the one guy that comes to my mind right away is Chael Sonnen. So, um, you know, it remains to be seen what will happen with that. But I think Chael Sonnen would be a fantastic promoter. Uh, and to, and to, it's a different world. I mean, Chael thinks he can do it, probably could. But to do what Dana White did, it's, it's extremely difficult. It would have to be something, someone that has the brashness to – you know, I, I said it before, Sean, you got to be a spin doctor. You got to be a spin doctor when you're a promoter and there's no better king uh, and no offense to Don King, but there's no better king when it comes to promotion and spin doctoring uh, anything and everything that has to do with the UFC than, than Dana White. But if there's someone that can do it, you tell me if I'm wrong, but I think Chael would be fantastic for it. I think that would be a good move too. By the way, guys, under our exclusive section at Fightful.com, we have an interview with Chael Sonnen. We're going to have several more stories from that up. Uh, probably ahead of UFC 204, 205, the Dan Henderson fight, 204. There you go. Some more stuff out of that. 
We'll approach some more MMA headlines here. Uh, Alistair Overeem thinks that Floyd Mayweather and Conor McGregor are lying about how much they make. I think that if he believes that, he probably needs a new agent, Joe. Um, now is he saying that because – well, first says, first. I mean, you never really know. So go ahead. He says, my answer to that, to Mayweather and Conor, let me see some bank statements. You can talk. You can say it. You can put it out there in tweets. But let me see a bank statement that says UFC wired X amount of money because it's always going to be this way. People lie. It's a 21st century. Social media is fake. So he's saying that they're embellishing their numbers. Well, I mean, we have seen Conor McGregor's base pay, and it's the most in UFC history. That's his base pay. That's before pay-per-views. That's before Reebok gives him whatever amount that they're giving him because you know that Conor McGregor has had that conversation. I'm not wearing this shit unless you all reimburse me properly to wear this shit. So you know that conversation has already been had. And we haven't heard about it, so apparently Reebok was like, okay, whatever. So I'm I'm inclined to believe – and now Conor McGregor has never said, hey, I made this much money. He has said, I've made around this much money. I believe it. I mean, what's yeah. he? I mean, even if he's embellishing it, it doesn't matter. He's making so much money right now uh, that it doesn't matter. Hey, I made four million. Well, maybe he made two and a half million, or I made nine million. Well, maybe he made six million, or maybe he's saying it's lower. It, it doesn't matter. The guy's bringing in a killing, uh, and the same employee. Don't don't even talk about Mayweather. I mean, the money that that guy makes is unbelievable, uh, and of course, good on him because that dude knows how to promote fights. And we can go back to the Canelo fight. Uh, and, and, and most people know me well enough that I am not the biggest boxing guy anymore. I was huge into boxing uh, before I saw Hoist Gracie choke out Ken Shamrock. Uh, that's when my boxing sort of following of boxing went down. But I did pay very close attention to a lot of Mayweather fights. And that Canelo fight was one of those fights. You watch those, um, the, I don't remember if it was on HBO or Showtime, but you watch those uh, sort of 24-7 series. Um, you pay attention to what... Mayweather was saying what he was doing, how they were promoting it, how they were selling it. And, and you know, I think so. I forgot who, who had the best tweet uh, that night after the fight. And, and I think it was referring to Mayweather when they said uh, even the devil showed he didn't exist. Something of that effect. Uh, but he convinced the public uh, that Canelo was a real fight and that Canelo was, you know, a big draw and Canelo was going to hurt him. And it's the toughest fight of his life. In reality, what we saw was just a complete dominant Floyd Mayweather in that fight to the point where you're like, oh my God, like what, what just happened here? We all got fleeced. And that's what Mayweather does in a lot of his fights. Uh, at the same time, McGregor has taken that sort of, I'm going to sell this nonstop. And you look at what Sonnen did in the past. So you do that, you make a lot of money and it's a boatload of money. And whether Overeem believes it or not, uh, and remember, Overeem operates in a different frequency than most people. This is, this is a heavyweight that at one point was about to hold three. I had a chance to hold all three of those belts, become that one guy that held all the big belts in MMA. Um, bad dude, really bad dude. But at the same time, you know, career-wise, he's made a boatload of money too from K1 and stuff like that. So I don't know what he's talking about. But I think McGregor and Mayweather are probably telling more truth than they're not telling truth. UFC fighter Augusto Montano had tested positive for the drug in and out of competition uh, for uh, clenbuterol, rather, in an out-of-competition drug test on May 19th, but will not be sanctioned for the failure, as USADA announced today. Another clenbuterol failure that is going untouched. What is this? They They... Did like some get into the the gummy Flintstone vitamins or something, Joe? I see you with your your face in your hands there. I don't get it, dude. I don't. It's clenbuterol, man. <laughs> like clenbuterol is a synthetic, obviously performance enhancing drug. It's it's a how did it get in your system? If you're saying it didn't get into your, well, I, I don't know what he's saying, but at the same time, it's like who, who was it that had the Chinese meat? It was. I think it was a couple of Chinese fighters, actually. Right, like. Come on, man. It's clenbuterol. It's, this is not something that – I'm not buying that – You know, it, okay, I get – you convinced me otherwise last time or a couple times ago, Sean, that, yeah, I was in the meat sort of thing, blah, blah, fine. It's clenbuterol, man. This is stuff uh, is designed to get you ripped and get you to recover nonstop. So if he failed it, why isn't he getting suspended? 
uh, and, and they got to explain more about what's happening with some of these suspensions or non-suspensions. I'm, I'm not getting it, man. It's really, really unusual. Like, it's a real gray area. And it's like everybody that fails for it, they're just like, yeah, well, so what? Makes me feel a little uneasy about a lot of this stuff. It's it's just like it's very unusual. Like how, uh, I, you know, I, I'm I'm speechless regarding this. Speechless regarding this. Not spe- oh, we talked about Joe Silva by the way leaving. One of the last memories of pre Zufa UFC, right? We get another one of those fighting this weekend on a UFC Fight Night card. And Josh Barnett, now granted, he took quite a bit of time away, but a pre-Zufa UFC fighter. He's facing Andre Orlovsky. Not the most star-studded event that you will ever see in your life, but a, a pretty solid main event for UFC Fight Pass, Joe. I like it. You know, I mean, uh, then again, you know, I'm a huge UFC fan, a huge MMA fan. If I get it any time I can see an MMA boat, whether it's the grassroots level or or the UFC, I'm going to watch it anyways. But I like the fight. I think it's fantastic. And it's just, you know, which Josh Barnett shows up. I mean, um, that loss to Ben Rothwell uh, was sort of a, huh? Okay. Uh, the Roy Nelson thing, despite that thing going five minutes or five rounds, um, you still beat Roy Nelson. And we can say what we want about Roy Nelson. Um, that loss to Travis Brown, though, in 2013 was sort of a, Many of us kind of were like, wait a second, is this the end of Josh Barnett? And, you know, he did take uh, quite a bit of time off, comes back against Roy Nelson, wins, uh, and then a few months later takes on Rothwell and loses. Uh, was it to like a Google platter or something like that? Who, to, to, to Roth- Ben Rothwell, that, that, that front choke that he did? Okay, all right. It was, okay. weird, it, was, it was an unusual – let me look up the name of it because I think there was a different name to it. Because Rothwell, it was a choke that Rothwell, I guess, had really worked on a lot in preparation for, for him. A go-go choke. Because he got it with Mitch, he got Mitrione with it too. Okay, all right. So you know, and that's not something that you would ever think Josh Barnett would ever tap to, because Josh Barnett and his catch wrestling is absolutely fantastic and has a, you know an unbelievable um, submission game, ground game, a sort of different way of looking at it the way most, I guess, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu guys or submission wrestlers go after it. I mean, Josh's theories on on catch wrestling is fantastic, but it's still, he's taken on Andre Orlowski. And these are both guys that are, you know, long in the tooth sort of thing. And, and, but it's still gonna be a great fight. It's heavyweights. These dudes are skilled. So, and you know, we can say it doesn't have this, this card doesn't have the star power. It doesn't, but there are some really good fights on there. There are, I'm, I'm excited to check out the show. Hopefully I can check it out that day. Got kind of a bachelor party thing going on that day. So hopefully I can do that. I've got a break in between the rehearsal and the bachelor party, and I'm hoping I can fit that in. Uh, just a programming note for you guys. Joe and I will not be on the podcast this weekend because of that, so we're going to make that up hopefully early on in the week. That way you all can get your, your Sean and Joe fix because I know you all need it. But we will have full coverage of the, the UFC Fight Night show from Hamburg, Germany on Fightful.com. Carlos Toro will be doing that. We also have Alexander Gustafson returning to the cage against Jan Blockowicz. Did I, did I pronounce that right? I know I didn't. I think you did. I think that was fantastic. Good job, bud. Hot damn. How, how do you think this one's going? What do you expect to see out of Gustafson taking on, I think, an unranked guy, maybe 14 or 15 if he is ranked? Let me check. There's only one expectation, though, with Gustafson. He's got to win. Like, no ifs, ands, yes. or buts. You have to win. At this point here, you've had, uh, you know, these title shots. That's it, bud. You, you, want, a, you want another one? You have to win. Um, you know, do, do I see him winning this fight? 100%. Not 100%, excuse me. 99% because uh, anything can happen in MMA. We all know that. Uh, <laughs> but I definitely see him. Uh, if there is one guy on that UFC roster that has to, you know, continue to fight to remain relevant to hopefully step in there uh, during a title fight or a potential interim title fight, it is Alexander Gustafson. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how he shows up on, 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 on the 3rd of September. But I think he wins this fight, Sean. But, yeah, what am I expecting? He's got to win, dude. You've got to win. I can't see him losing. And what does he do after that? He's not going to cut down to middleweight. not going to fight at heavyweight, I don't think. Yeah, this is a must win for Alexander Gustafson. Absolutely must win. Because this is a guy who has contemplated quitting the sport altogether. You see that now more than ever. 
young guys just willing to quit. Uh, Anthony Johnson, he's admitted he's only got a few more years in the sport. He said he doesn't want to be fighting at 35. Uh, ben Henderson said he doesn't want to be fighting after 34. Alexander Gustafson, if he lost this fight, it would be a monumental setback for him. Like, talking way back of the line. He's been very fortunate that John Jones has still been running things at the top of the UFC's uh, light heavyweight division, even though he's gone. Because Alexander Gustafson gave him his closest fight. Now, granted, John Jones did not train for that fight, like, hardly at all, from according to Brendan Schaub. Showed up at camp way out of shape, if I remember correctly. But Alexander Gustafson has been able to hold on to that. He got beat by Anthony Johnson. He got beat by Daniel Cormier. It's crazy to think Alexander Gustafson has won one fight in three and a half years. One fight. And it's against Jimmy Manawa, a guy who he should have beaten. So the crazy thing is, it's not that unreasonable to think that Gustafson will lose this fight, especially at light heavyweight, where the the leather being thrown is a little heavier than than other weight divisions. But yeah, this this is this could be a big, big, big setback for Gustafson, Joe. I can't see him losing the fight. Um to be honest with you, because if you look at those three losses, and yeah, he has three, he's got three losses in his last four fights. Look at who he's lost to. We mentioned it, Daniel Cormier, Anthony Johnson, and John Jones, right? The one, two, and three of the division. We all know Alexander's number four, and he's got to retain that number four in reality, right? So this is his own, he's at the point now where his, his belt, his championship is that number four spot in the division, and he's got to continue to defend it over and over again. That's his belt. That's his title. He's got to continue to make sure that nobody supersedes him and just continues to win. If he continues to win, especially in fit with finishes, he will stay in that spot. Because right now, those three gentlemen in John Jones, Daniel Cormier, and Anthony Johnson, they, they run that division. We can say John Jones run that, runs that division, but he's not fighting right now. We've got to wait till he comes back. DC has the strap. He is the champion. He technically runs that division. Anthony Johnson, we saw what he did to Glover. He's right there. Right? He's already fought DC once. He's you know, likely going to get that rematch. I can't see it not happening, but he's about to get that rematch. So you know, it all depends on what happens there. But we got to remember, what, 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 like you said, what Gustafson did to John Jones that night in Toronto was, was unbelievable. Whether John Jones trained or not is not Alexander's fault. That he did what he had to do. He showed up uh, at the Air Canada Centre and put on uh, – he gave John an ass-whooping that night. It was fantastic to see both guys go back and forth and show that kind of heart – it was, you know, the, the stuff that we tell, we're going to tell our grandkids one day. Uh, and then he goes and he fights Daniel Cormier. So let's remember, he lost by split decision. He could be wearing that belt today. Okay, so that's how close he is to that upper echelon of that division. Unfortunately, you and I do the math, Sean. He's lost three or four. He's defeated Jimmy Manoa. That was a second round, what, TKO or something like that? Yeah. Look at that. One, one win since that. 2013 started. Yeah, right? But he takes out Jimmy Manoa. I think Blackwich is actually like, I'm not saying it's going to be, a, it's a different fight, but I think Jimmy was a bit more dangerous at that time than Yana's yes. right now. I completely agree. But, you know, it's, it's the UFC. So as we've seen, anything can happen. Ryan Bader versus Elor Latifi. I have one question. Quick and painless or long and torturous? That's how this fight's going to play out, one of two ways. <laughs> I don't think it's going to be the, long and painless. Well, you mean this one? So I say I think you said long and painless. There's the, there's nothing <laughs> painless about a long fight between these two. It's going to be really bad if it goes three rounds. I concur. Real bad. I concur, but I don't think it'll go past seven minutes. If this thing goes past midway the second round, uh we got to get up and either make more popcorn, crack another beer, or make a coffee if you're me. I don't, I don't. I mean, this thing, just the way they match up. Um, yeah, you're right. It could be ugly, but I think it could be over pretty quick. Man, like this fight might be so bad that it's entertaining. Like as as far as boring, like it's gonna be. Either one of them's gonna land a big shot, or it's gonna be a bunch of just laying up against the cage and. Oh, oh. If that's how we the also, fight goes down, Sean, I'm texting you nonstop until you say, I hate you, Showdown Joe. 
Oh, I'm not looking forward to that fight. It could end up being a great fight. Watch it end up being like fight of the century. Like these two just go out, slug it out, and head movement everywhere and counters. I doubt it. Uh, also on the main card, which I mean technically everything's the main card. So I don't know why they do that, the main card prelims thing. Nick Hine versus Tai Hoon Bang, the Korean Cowboy going to pretend that I know anything about the Korean Cowboy because I don't. He's been very hit or miss. I know that much. I remember he lost to Cajun Johnson. That's or No, he, he beat Cajun Johnson because that was a really good fight like two years ago. That's it. I don't really recall much else from him. He's been on the, the preliminary portion of so many of these fight cards. Now he's getting on the main card of I use that in I use that term very loosely. Any any fireworks to be expected out of this fight? Anything we should be looking for out of these two guys? I think so. I think it's going to be a a damn good fight because it's 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 Nick Hines' territory, right? This is, a, is. this is if if anything, this is a um, I hate saying it like this, but it's 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 a showcase of Nick Hines, right? Nick Hines, here you go. Do what you got to do. Do it in front of your peeps. Get it done. Show that you're a strong lightweight. And then make some noise after the fight. I think that's the plan here. Uh, if you're the UFC trying to promote Nick Hine, uh, although you know, <laughs> Cowboy can can probably spoil that. But I think this is a showcase of of Nick Hine in Germany, uh, and you know, we'll, we'll we'll see what happens. But you know, I like Hine. I think he's a fantastic fighter. It remains to be seen. Uh, you know, if he can bring it, um, you know, in front of all the peeps. I think he can. I think he will. But I think it's like I said, it's a showcase fight for him. Also a little under the radar, Ashley Evans-Smith, number uh, 13, 135-pound fighter at just 4-1 and one career. She is a top 15 Bantamweight. And she's, let's see, she's, well, she beat Marion Renault, so maybe deserved. She's facing Veronica, I think it's Macedo from Venezuela, undefeated fighter. I don't know anything about Macedo. I, I wish I did. There are... I can say that about a lot of people in this card. Not often where I come into a show and it's like, I don't know a lot about anybody on the show, but this is one of those shows where they're showcasing a lot of, I don't want to say inexperienced talent, but a lot of newer talent, a lot of talent that hasn't been exposed so much, uh, at least here. And of course you have guys like uh, Jim Wallhead who are showing up there. He's been trying to get the UFC for a while, if I remember correctly. But the first fight, the first scheduled fight, is one that I see as interesting. Leandro Silva, Rustam Kabilov. That should, I think that'll be a good fight. How is this the first fight of the night? I, I don't understand that. This, is, this fight should, number one, be on the preliminary card. Number one. Because Kabilov and Silva, first of all, Rustam Kabilov is a bad man. Okay? Let's, yeah. let's just get, forget his record. This dude's awesome. Okay? He's taking on Leandro Silva, who's a bad dude as well. And this is kicking off the show? Like, Yeah. First or, fight, or first scheduled fight. As, yes. The first fight of the whole show. Out yeah. of 11 fights, Kabilov and Silva are the first fight. As, I, as it is I get it. I get it why it's not on the main card, Sean. you got to have four fights for... For the television audience, I get it. But that fine, you got to put Hine on the main card. You do. I'm cool with that. Latifi, I get because of the Swedish thing. A lot of Swedish peeps are going to be heading on over there. But Habilov, sorry, doesn't deserve to be uh, where he is on this card. He needs to be way higher than that. Again, who am I to say? Maybe this is the reason why Joel Silva left. He doesn't have a say anymore. Yeah. Well, Habilov has won (laughs) uh, two in a row. Leandro Silva won four, or he's only got one loss in his last five fights. Two guys that have earned their spot. But I I understand, you know, you get those three, I don't want to say big fights, but because Latifi Bader, despite their ranking, it is a top 15 fight. But nobody's like, damn, I can't wait for that Eler Latifi versus Ryan Bader throwdown on Saturday. But yeah, I, I understand why it's on the prelims. But man, the first one—maybe they're wanting to kick it off with a bang, something of that nature. I don't know. But well, that, the arena better be full. Yeah, 
It's a good point. It's a very good point. And it, it, if it's anything like it is in America, it won't be. It won't be until like two fights into the main card. It's so weird to me. But that's what happens when you run shows in Vegas and like the high rollers get the tickets that are, you know, that, that's just the way it works. That's just the way it works, unfortunately. So I watched the Donald Cerrone, I've watched most of it, the Donald Cerrone interview with Joe Rogan on the Joe Rogan experience yesterday, which of course I knew was going to be interesting. And they're getting progressively more drunk as this thing goes on, which you can imagine is great. Aside from speaking great things of Onnit, one of our one of our sponsors, Donald Cerrone mentioned that he didn't he no longer spars, period. He says that people oftentimes try to get him to spar. There's a full story. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply on it on fightful.com under our MMA section guys but said that around the Dos Anjos fight he decided that it was time to stop sparring because he didn't know how many big shots he had left in him and he said do you know how many wars I've been in in the gym with uh, Leonard Garcia and he was like I'm done with those and he said that uh, like he'll spar with somebody like Joe Schilling because he trusts him and they keep a good pace but he's not interested in sparring with somebody who's trying to make a name for himself at Jackson Winklejohn or, or at the ranch or anything like that. He's not into that. What do you think of this? We, we hear about it a lot more. Robbie Lawler has said it. By the way, we'll talk about those two in a bit. We're getting a lot more people that aren't sparring. And uh, Cerrone said drilling is the most important thing. What's your take on that? At the level that Donald Cerrone is at right now, I applaud him. I applaud him 100% because he's absolutely, in my opinion, 100% correct. How much more do you have left? You can't be taking those shots anymore. We've all heard the, the long history and the, and, the, and the whole shooter box back in the day, how these guys used to kick the living crap out of each other uh, before they even got to Japan in pride. And by the time they got there, they're so susceptible to not – they're just getting knocked out in sparring. Um, you know, for the most part, it doesn't have to be that hard, uh, but I do get it. I've seen some sparring sessions at, in so many gyms uh, across North America where I'm like, Jesus, these guys should be getting paid for this right now. This is amazing. These guys are beating the crap out of each other. And I've also seen technical sessions like, um, you know, from in, in the same gyms, like sometimes Faraz will slow things down or, or sometimes he'll be like, let him go. They got to let it out. Let him go. Man, this guy's going to get injured, right? So I've seen it before. So good on Donald Cerrone for realizing, okay, you know what, you know, or is is he could he be hiding something where it's like, man, this one time I was sparring and blah blah before the Dosanjos so, fight, I got messed up, I got knocked out, I haven't recovered in time. Now I'm fighting for the belt. Finally so get my title speaking shot. of that. <laughs> let me tell you about this situation that he brought up. He said that he got really scared, and one of the reasons why he did that, um, he was brushing his teeth in his bathroom. Also, he, he says this is one of the reasons he takes on it now, by the way, guys. Fightful.com slash podcast. Click those links. He said he was brushing his teeth, and he just fell over into the wall. He stood up, and he fell over into the other wall, and he started to think, oh, shit, I've got a concussion. I'm messed up for life. What's going on? We've seen this in pro wrestling a lot lately. It, 20 years ago, we would have never seen it. Bret Hart was really one of the first people – that I remember that had to end his career because of a concussion, which makes you wonder with the harder rings and the styles that used to be worked. I wonder how many guys worked for so long with concussions and caused long-term problems. But now several guys can't wrestle because of concussions, Christian, Daniel Bryan, Corey Graves. So Donald Cerrone was 
fearing he was in that category. Like, I can't compete ever again. Uh, who was it just a couple years ago? was supposed to fight for the lightweight title. TJ Grant. Yep. He may be done forever. He doesn't want to come back. He said that he went to the doctor, got a bunch of MRIs, CAT scans. As it turned out, he had a really bad deviated septum that caused him to have a sinus infection so bad that it screwed up his equilibrium. But he said that that was one of the reasons he was like, okay, I need to supplement. I need to stop sparring. This is what I need to do. He says that he has to, and I feel I've got a deviated septum as well. Nose has been broken many times. It can be a struggle. Never had one to preach that situation, but you know, if you're dealing with like vertigo and things of that nature, hell yeah, that's going to make you want to stop sparring. It's going to make you want to stop or change a lot the way you do a lot of things. It seems like over the past year between, and I'm not trying to plug on it here, between supplementation, weight, the way he trains, the sinus thing, Donald Cerrone's had like a real roller coaster of like just evaluating the way that he approaches his career, Joe. I think it's a, the evolution of a person getting a little bit older and smartening up right now and realizing I am not bulletproof anymore. I'm not in my you know early to mid-20s where I can take on the world and take an absolute beating and do whatever I want. And now the mileage is beginning to show and he's self-reflecting and self-realizing, uh-oh, this isn't good. This is, this is, yeah. you know, this is, I, I, this is the path that I chose, but now it's beginning to, to have its you know, repercussions I got to slow this down. Number one, stop sparring. Number two, props to Onnit for helping them out, uh, for having the right products. But it is something that a lot of fighters, you know, sometimes they don't know how to stop. They don't know how to get rid of because the ego um, will always get the better of you, no matter what you do. Sean, I'm 42 years old, okay? I still think I can squat rack upon rack. You load that bar up and I can squat it. Yet I was moving a box today at my buddy's place, turning around, grabbed it, moved it around. I thought my ACL just went pop. That's, it's just the body saying, you're done, dude. You can't do it. I'll be doing – you know who um, Joel Valtellini is? Bazooka Joe. He was the uh, – um, uh, not K1. Yeah. Uh, he follows Lori me on Walter Twitter, Chan. of course. What's that? He follows me on Twitter. There you go. So Bazooka Joe, he's, uh, he lives about, I don't know, 30 minutes from me. Uh, and we're just shooting the breeze and he's, you know, he, he knows, I, you know, obviously MMA guy saw me on TV forever and here he is, he's the welterweight champion for glory and, and we're shooting the breeze. I said, you know what, dude, I need a Muay Thai workout. I need something good. Uh, give me something that's, that's 10 rounds, uh, you know, 35 minutes, 30 minutes. He's like, don't worry, but I'll text you or I'll, I'll email you. He sends me this workout and it's fantastic, Sean. It's, it's combinations, but everything ends in a low kick. Okay. So whether it's jab, cross, hook, right, low kick jab cross knee or something everything ends in a low kick i'm i'm third round in and my left knee is like dude your your knee's gonna pop here what's going on here i could do that five days a week after lifting weights and sparring jits i could have did that workout with my eyes closed soaking wet in my 20s now i get to a third round and these are three minute rounds it's embarrassing sean i'm in the seventh or eighth minute uh and i'm like I think my knee's about to pop. Oh, you I'm should have just... seen me. You should have seen me in five-minute rounds the first time I went back to MMA class about a month ago. Oh, my God. It was it was a show is what it was. I was, I was in a bad way. I was in a bad way. Um, also, rumors have been circulating over the past week or so. We reported it uh, in our Rumors Are Flying section last week. Donald Cerrone, Robbie Lawler, maybe UFC 205 in New York. If that happens, don't book anything else. That's the only fight you need on the show, the whole show. That's it. Just set them up. No prelims. Five-rounder. We're good. I'll pay the money. UFC. Don't waste my time. Run it at 7 p.m. Eastern. That way I don't have to be up all night. Just let them go. What do you think, Joe? How can I possibly have a counter argument for that? <laughs> I mean, these guys are just insane. And to see those two inside the octagon would be absolutely sick. I mean, I'd be scared for both of them because they're just such good dudes. And they've always treated me like with just absolute class. And 
um, you know, I get picked on. I'm sure you know the stories. I get picked on every so often being a, you know, a short Canadian, bald head guy, whatever. But these guys were always fantastic. I've known Robbie for a long time. Like I'm talking back when he fought Nick Diaz in the UFC days. I mean, good dude. And Cerrone has always got something witty to say, some of the craziest interviews. But they're still professional fighters when I'm not interviewing them. And to see those two guys potentially get matched up in the octagon, can you imagine the fireworks? And who knows what they would both do? I mean, they're, they're, they're abs- they'd beat the crap out of each other, but they'd probably high-five after every third or fourth combination that they would land. I mean, it's crazy. Uh, I would love that fight. I think it's a great fight. Another funny thing that Donald Cerrone said, he was like, because Joe Rogan was like, do not go back to 155. And Cerrone said, yeah, it's hard. It's very hard to go to 155. Ideally, I'd be at 165 if that were a weight division. And I, I wish it were, but I know, well, I don't know. They've got a, when you look at the roster, they've got like 100 welterweights, 100 lightweights. So I don't think it would dilute it that much. I just think the other guys would step up. Now, he said that when he was at 155, he would always call Dana White, Joe Silva, Lorenzo Fertitta, and be like, this 170 guy fell out. I'll fight him. And Dana White would tell him, no, these guys are effing monsters. You don't want them. And now that he's like, oh, I want to fight at 155, they're like, no, you look so good. You got to stay at 170. So, yeah, a fascinating interview. Uh, I, you know, I cover so much pro wrestling and MMA that oftentimes while I'm working or while I'm not working, I just want to watch anything but – but I always, I, I often find myself watching that Joe Rogan podcast, and Donald Cerrone on anything is very entertaining. A very underrated, you know, people think that kind of he's got because he's got the cowboy thing, and he says some stuff that is ill advised. That he's not a smart dude. He's a very smart dude, incredibly smart dude. So yeah, and really great stuff out of them. Also worth mentioning. Travis Brown was interviewed ahead of his fight next weekend, said that Ronda Rousey is in a good place mentally and physically. Uh, you Have you heard anything, Joe, maybe that leads you to believe that is true or maybe false? Um, no, I've heard, I've heard the same sort of stuff. I think she's, she's like I said, we talked about it last time. She's, she's regrouped. Uh, she went through what, you know, that very few people will ever understand. Um, maybe you can empathize, but you'll never truly understand uh, to go through what she went through. It's hard, man. I, I, I felt so bad for her, especially I remember watching that fight and thought, oh man, you're on top of the world. It's over right now. Like right now you think your life is over and it's not, it just sucks. It just sucks. But yeah, she's in a better place right now and good for her. And you know, and, and man, when she comes back, it's going to be absolutely amazing. It's going to be so big for the sport. Uh, it's going to be fantastic. And she just, like I said, she had to clean stuff up, man. You know, there's that old saying from a, from a House of Pain album, you know, you know, clean up your own backyard before you go knocking on your neighbor's door. She had to clean up her backyard. She had to clean everything up, get all that shit in her head out of there, get positive again, uh, and get back to what you're doing, what you're great at, what you love doing, which is training, fighting, kicking ass, and then getting back there, getting back into the cage and, and try and win that belt back. So as long as you have the right people around her, and you know her mom. Her mom was oh, probably yeah. very supportive, but probably said, hey, man, Get your shit together. Let's go. Come on. Get some money here. Her mom is great. Yeah. Her mom is great. Like normally I would advise people against having parents in like advisory or management roles. Oh, not Ronda Rousey's mom. Ronda Rousey's mom gets it. Ronda Rousey's mom has seen it. She knows. And the thing I admire about her is despite the fact that her daughter is one of the most famous athletes in the world, not just – in the UFC, in the world, she's not afraid to speak her mind, whether it's about Travis Brown, whether it's about uh, Edmund, whether it's about anybody. She is very open to speaking about that. Also worth noting, Marcin Held was released from Bellator, signed with the UFC, well, not released, his contract was up with Bellator, signed with the UFC, a very underrated signing. Hey, I love leg lock guys. I love toehold guys. This is one of those guys. And he's fighting, I think, Diego Sanchez. That's a hell of a fight. Yeah, but okay. let me ask you a question, though. Let me ask you a question. I know I, I didn't mean to cut you off there because I know you're, oh, I love leg lock guys. I love toehold guys. What goes through your mind 
when you see that hold get locked in. Because I know when I see a heel hook go in there, if I'm on my couch, I'm up. I'm like, oh, my God, there goes his knee. Oh, I yeah. get so nervous because I've had both knees and both ankles, not destroyed, but messed up uh, to the point where, you know, back in the day, you can't do leg locks during jit sparring. It's just a no-no. And if you got caught doing it, you're about to go with a black belt that was going to smash your face uh, into the wall while he was choking you. So let me ask, let me ask you, when you see those leg locks go down or, or they're, they're, they're fighting down there 50-50, what goes through your head? Tap quick that's what i do in practice but that's because i want to walk i'm not fighting just do it now at the ufc level they're not going to do that they're going to try to roll out they're going to try to step over all that good stuff but before you say tap it's diego sanchez diego sanchez is fighting him i know what happens when you saw a a husmar palharis fight and he grabs a hold of someone's leg and he just starts cranking what goes through your mind then Why'd you take the fight? Why'd you sign? Why'd you do it? You knew what was going to happen. Although, Rusamal Paharis got some justice lately, or recently. He got knocked out by Emile Weber Meek, who got signed by the UFC in turn. UFC does that on occasion. Like, if you remember back in the day when Kimbo was a big deal and Sean Gannon fought him and beat him, then the UFC signed him. So, I mean, they've done that a couple times. And. Yeah, pretty pretty interesting take, but I love the signing. I love that Held bet on himself and was willing to do that. Um, I, had a, I have an article up under our exclusive section about Bellator making waves in free agency. Now, they have let a lot of guys go over the past few years. Like, Blagoy Ivanov. Like, why would you let him go? Like, why? Frodo, how do you not do everything you can? Now, I know there were a lot of visa issues there. How do you not do everything you can do to keep him? Ben Askren, how do you not try to butter him up? Which, to be honest, I get the feeling he doesn't really want to fight in America anymore. I think he's got a pretty sweet deal with one championships, and he's going to ride that out, probably getting paid very, very well. They've let a lot of uh, Minikov and Volkov What's up? Like they they have you have or top level heavyweights are not easy to come by. And in, in my opinion, if you have Minikov, Volkov, Ivanov, and anybody else in Russia whose name ends with an OV, you want to hold on to those guys. And that was kind of the thing with Bellator for a while, Joe. They were the guys that were giving the the some of these European talents their first breaks. Yeah, and that's the thing though. That was something that was really cool because if you actually look at what's happening overseas in Europe, there's a boatload of talent there that you look and you're like, how come these guys aren't fighting in bigger shows? Like, it's just a matter of time. Uh, I'm not sure if you ever heard of the guy, Conor McGregor. He was fighting over there, and he was people were all over Dana White. You got to sign this guy. You got to sign this guy. And he, Dana at one point said, who the heck is this guy? To the point um, there was three of us, no, four of us that are like, you should really consider this guy. Uh, and, and I'm talking about some some pretty big media guys. Uh, I won't, won't name names, but you know who they are pretty much. But it was like, you better check this guy out. This guy's got skill. And one or two interviews later and a few tweets later, McGregor was signed. Because he, he bring, there's a lot of McGregors out there, skill-wise, skill-wise, not the whole package-wise. Um, and you talk about those big boys. And Bellator, when they were doing it, it was fantastic. We're starting to see all these, you know, these heavyweights coming from you know, the, 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 not just the heavyweights, but there's some light heavyweights and they were getting some North American love and stuff like that. But it is weird, man. Like you said, it's weird how some of these guys were let go. I mean, Askren in general, that's always been a weird theory because I mean, in in my conversations with him, he he reminds me of, you know, the alpha male wrestler, you know, how the wrestlers, how they talk and how, you know, it's, it's a mono mono thing and I can beat you up sort of not even say it to me. I'm saying like how they have that, that it's just the bravado that they, that's their aura that comes out. That's like, they're just bad dudes. But Askren was always – I'm like, you have a chance to, to, to be big. You have a chance to really get – you know, you can get to the UFC or Bellator can really do a bit more with you, but just don't play the game. They know what you say about, about Nick Diaz. Just if he plays the game just this much, we'll sign him some way, somehow. And they would have never signed Nick Diaz if they didn't buy Strikeforce. And then Askren had the opportunity, we all know, uh, to, to some way, somehow get to the UFC and – he didn't care. And 
Like, you know how we have Donald Cerrone now looking back and saying, things got to change. I wonder if Askren's ever going to look back and say, man, coulda, shoulda, woulda. Absolutely. Uh, before we go, I want to talk a little bit about this ESPN WWE situation. Uh, Joe, I don't know how much you've heard about this, if at all. Uh, are you familiar with Kevin Owens, perhaps? Uh, yeah. Kevin Steen, Kevin Owens, Canadian wrestler, definitely not your prototypical WWE wrestler. He looks like the everyman. He looked even more like an everyman before he got to WWE. A guy who's worked really, really hard. English was not his first language, and you would not be able to tell that if you heard. He's one of the best speakers I've seen in wrestling in years. He won the WWE Universal Championship on Monday, and his son is a big wrestling fan. And a video emerged that his that Kevin's uh, wife had posted of his son, eight-year-old son, reacting to the victory. And, of course, he was thrilled. He's a giant wrestling fan. And there was a, an ESPN personality. I don't know how to pronounce his name. And I don't want to pronounce his name because I don't want to give him any exposure. We didn't cover it on the site because – it's what the guy wants. I don't want that, but people keep asking me to talk about it. And Joe, I'll have you talk about it. And it's of the, the, and the child happens to be autistic. And this guy is like basically trolling wrestling fans and taking shots at the kid for not knowing that wrestling is scripted, which I'm pretty sure the kid knows by now his dad, you know, has these, he, he, his dad's best friend is a guy that he's been beating up on TV for the last year and a half. So I'm pretty sure he knows the score. And it's his way of you know, trying to steal the Colin Coward gimmick of, oh, wrestling fans are booger eaters and yada, yada, yada. And he's just kept doubling down and like trying to go hard on this. And he, he did it at the expense of an autistic eight-year-old child who was proud of his dad for accomplishing something. And he's been at it all day on his Twitter account this dude and he has probably wisely when ridiculing the people that tweet him not quoted any of the tweets that refer to the child as being autistic because he realized he screwed up but the dude's not going to admit he screwed up he's not going to take his loss and move on and realize he was an idiot he's just keeping on keeping on it's scripted it's scripted you know what a lot of shit scripted anything you've ever seen on mtv is scripted Every movie you've ever seen, probably scripted unless it's a documentary. It's like, you know, I kind of understand it if it's a 40-year-old person that doesn't understand that wrestling isn't real. But if they don't understand it, who gives a shit? Who gives a shit? It never bothered me. I've wrestled in front of 40-year-old people who didn't know that wrestling wasn't real. Uh, actually, we did a we did a benefit for the Southern Autism or the Southern Ohio Autism Group, and some of the people in the audience were autistic people of that age who had no idea. Good. That's that's one of the reasons you do it. If you go to a wrestling crowd, a wrestling show, you're going to see crowds of you know all ages, all sizes, all colors, all shapes. It's just really weird to me that this one guy decided to pick on. An eight-year-old kid, and when he found out that the kid was autistic, he just kept letting it, leaving it, or letting it go. Now, Joe, I know you're not a big wrestling fan, perhaps, but I mean this this is kind of a weird, weird hill to die on, in my opinion. This aforementioned gentleman is still employed with ESPN. Maybe not for long. Good has 80, 82,000 followers, which. By ESPN standards, is very low. This guy, I mean, I, I don't know who it is. I'm not even going to bother searching it down. I'm not going to chase it down because I could care less when you talk about kids in general and a kid uh, with autism and you're, that, that's, that's your theory. That's what you think you're doing. And, and you, at the expense of a child, you don't even know the whole story. The, the, the first thing you, that any, I guess, sane person in the media that has that type of outlet when you realize you screw up like that, man up, man, man up. I've, I've, who knows how many times I've screwed up? Um, never to that level. Uh, my, my screw-ups were what? Pronouncing names incorrectly or being wrong, predicting a fight or something like that. Man, sure. I used to go on live television and say, I screwed up. I'm an idiot. Whatever. To do What's it hurt? That What's that? People think that it hurts their credibility to say I was wrong. It doesn't hurt your credibility. 
if anything, I, I would hope that people would respect you a little more for saying, hey, I'm taking the loss. There is nothing wrong with that guy saying, okay, I was a douchebag. I didn't know. I definitely didn't know he was autistic. I maybe should have been a little more sensitive in what I was saying. And, you know, there are situations where I think people are a little too politically correct, but I think there are also situations where people are so anti-politically correct that they, it goes overboard on both sides. You know what I mean? And I mean, yeah. like, like I said. You do that at the expense of kids, though, ever. I mean, kids are, kids are, are innocent. They, they do what they do. Uh, I'm a dad. I know. Listen, we, we've talked about it on this show. My son is an absolute gong show. It's a mess. I've got to reel him in in soccer games because he thinks he's allowed to take people's shins out. Um, but if I was ever on, on doing anything on television or radio and I realized I so, so you up, told him you told him to go for the knees instead, right? The ball, Sean, the ball. Go after <laughs> the ball, especially that you're playing co-ed and there's little girls on the other team, go after the ball. Do not hurt anybody. So anyways, going back to the situation there, it, if, if, I mean, if I would have screwed up on that nature, man, you know how fast I would have, I would have begged the network to put me on Sports Center or the 6 o'clock news or 7 o'clock news or get me on every radio station I possibly could to apologize because I'd be using my social media. Listen, I didn't know. I'm so sorry. It, you know, I was just doing my shtick and I went overboard. I'm sorry. I'll, 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 I'd like uh, give me another chance. I'll, I'll never do it again. But I'm completely sorry. I'd be sending that. I'd be contacting the family. Uh, what can I send your child that would make put a smile on his face? Uh, can I? Can I? You know, next time I'm in your area, can I? Can Can I? Just hang out with the kid. Anything just to put a smile on that kid's face, man. That's 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 not cool, man. That's all I got to say. Yeah, uh, I respect Jonathan Coachman, who is a sports center anchor, used to work for WWE called the man out and said, you know, that's not cool. I mean, I'm livid about it. I mean, my sister is autistic. I, every wrestling match that I have done, uh, we have done for the, uh, we've done to benefit autism groups. That's what we do uh, in Southern Ohio and our Kentucky area. I, I love doing it. That's the way I do it. I never want to make a dime off of wrestling. If we can help a group like that. And I'm pissed about it. I can't, I can't imagine how Kevin Owens feels. Not to mention the work that he put in to accomplish what he did. It, taking a shot at his son. At his son. And it's not even, like, who cares if he's autistic? A kid. A kid. Uh, and, I mean, I know that the guy had no clue. I'm positive he had no clue, any clue about Kevin Owens' son being autistic. But it, it's just... Man, it's a child that can't defend himself. And, and yeah, somebody says, for the record, I've never even heard of the guy who made the comment. I hadn't either before today. His thing said NBA insider. He must be really inside because I've never heard of him ever, ever before. Guys, visit Fightful.com. Please register for our forum or just register for everything. Absolutely free. You get access to our forums. You may have seen we have our daily trash talk thread going up on the page, the, the discuss boards. That's going to be moving to the forum area pretty soon. We want to kind of into, uh, integrate those in as well. You get early access to podcasts, exclusive articles from Showdown Joe, from Vince Russo, from Brandon Howard, from myself, from the owner, Jimmy Van, all kinds of cool stuff, exclusive backstage news. I talked to CM Punk's interview or CM Punk's, uh, one of CM Punk's teammates. That's going up on Sunday. Got some exclusive stuff from Josh Barnett talking about Fabricio Verdum and Steve Miocic ahead of UFC 204. All kinds of cool stuff at Fightful.com. MMA, pro wrestling, boxing. If you don't like any of those, you can filter them out on the main page. Lots of fun stuff happening at Fightful.com. I am back on Friday afternoon with Vince Russo talking all kinds of stuff, especially Kevin Owens and the ESPN situation, I'm sure. Joe, anything you want to tell the people before we go? No, but I do want Sean Ross Sapp's opinion uh, on an article uh, that I submitted to uh, Fightful.com. Uh, and I stated Damian Maya, the waiting game. Uh, and I made it clear that the minute Stephen Thompson and Tyron Woodley, if that fight is announced, because that's pretty much what we're going to, what's, what's likely going to be announced, um, that Damian Maya should potentially also commence a training camp at the same time. Absolutely. Because he may be selected if somebody gets injured. 
I think that should always be the case with title fights. Always be the case with title fights. They should pay a fighter, basically a retainer, to be in a camp, not their show money, not their win money, but pay them something to be prepared. Or they could just do the thing like where they schedule them on the show, but against maybe a a tune-up opponent, so to speak, and have them ready. I think that should absolutely be a thing, especially given the fact that every single show up until I think maybe 202, I think maybe 202 was the first one, first uh, event that didn't have a champion or former champion, a pay-per-view this year, completely fall out. Even if the card didn't completely fall out on its own, because there were there was one that was turned from a pay-per-view to a TV card. I absolutely agree, Joe. With that note, thank you very much for your time. Thank you to all the viewers. Yeah, click on that Onnit link. Yes, I still have to go get some Onnit, or some, excuse me, some, uh, some Alpha Brain. Uh, and until oh, yeah, I do apparently. that, I apologize to Onnit and to Sean. Uh, I've got to order some uh, ASAP because I heard it's fantastic. Sean always talks about it, but uh, i got to get going on that. And I apologize, Sean. Myself and my fiance took that new mood last night, slept like babies. Until Friday, you guys, we're out. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.